Hey guys, it's Melissa here from MelissaOatman.com. Welcome to another episode of Awaken Your Inner Awesomeness. I am so delighted you're here with us today because we have a very special guest. Today we have with us Ms. Kim Curtis. She is a financial expert. She does personal finance. She's an author and a speaker and today she is here to talk to us about our relationship with money and how we can look at it from a different perspective and maybe what are some things we can do right now to heal our situation with money and to prepare for the future. So I'm so excited to talk to her today because I know that this is an issue that is very near and dear to most of us and most of us who have struggled our whole life. So be prepared to learn some really good things today and to hopefully turn your situation with money around. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Kim. Thanks, Melissa. Look forward to having a juicy discussion on money. Yes, me too. This is something <laughs> that I, I always think you can always learn more and always be better than, you know, where you were before. So I can't wait to have this conversation. And I know a lot of women especially struggle with this. So I can't wait to hear your perspective on it. But before you get started, Tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get into finance? <laughs> yeah, is it always quick and easy? I think I'm going to share a story with your listeners uh, because I'm also I'm a CEO of a wealth management firm in Denver, Colorado. But when I was in my actually, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager, and my mom got full custody of three girls, three teenage girls, wow. and she had no employable skills. So she applied for and received government assisted lunches. And so I had this little red ticket, almost like a lottery ticket, not a lottery ticket, like a raffle ticket. Yes. yes. You know what I'm talking about. I know what you know, you're talking see... about. Yeah, we had that yes. growing up. Sure. And I would have to give that to the cashier every day. And that ticket represented shame, not enough. Other people had money, not me. And uh, But my mom said to her three daughters, make sure you get your education because no one can ever take it away from you. And that's what she didn't have because she got married young and had three children. And here, all of a sudden here, she was 40 with no employable skills. So um, I went to college and went to law school and immediately within six months, Melissa defaulted on my school loans. And in today's dollars, it was worth about $92,000 in today's dollars. It was significant. and. I was totally unconscious of money, of what that meant to my credit report. I, I honestly didn't even care at the time to understood and stand what that meant to me. So um, I did have something that happened to me that was really amazing. I had an anonymous donor pay $1,000 on my school loan debt. Now, when you're, I always say that how you do money is how you do life. So if your head is in the sand on money, there are other areas of your life that your head is in the sand in. And the fact that I even opened up that statement, you know, when you're in debt denial, you are not opening your bills, or at least I wasn't. Yeah. And I noticed that the balance went down. And um, when I opened that statement and saw that, and because it was anonymous, I couldn't go to them and say, what do you want? Or why me? Yeah. I, I had to have that conversation with myself. And so it's like, what do they see in me that I don't see in me? Like, what is it? Who do I want to be? And what am I going to do differently about it? And it was almost like, honestly, Melissa, it was like a snap. It was an instantaneous thought. And if I were really to be 
honest about what that felt like. It was really um, love. Kind of like self-respect mm -hmm. with those questions I was asking myself. And, um, and I think that that self-respect love allowed me, obviously it wasn't immediate. The snap was immediate in terms of asking the questions, but it was a journey after that, that, wow, I am in control. Like I actually am in control of the outcomes in my life. Whoa, the choices I am making are not helping me. How do I make sure that I can become the person that I just had a vision for the first time that I wanted to be? And uh, it was a decade later that I ended up in finance. Um, but, but that's, and that was by a quiz, believe it or not. I had someone in HR, I had a legal background, negotiation, mediation, and arbitration. And someone in HR, a friend said, hey, let's do this quiz for you. And finance came up as an alternative career choice. Um, and I ended up in finance in that way. And I was 30 when I moved into finance. Wow. I Long story, that. but there's a lot there. No, I love the connection you made about how your the light bulb going off made you realize that it's like your self-love and self-respect and your finances were connected. I, I think that for the listeners that heard that story, um, really as women, we give and give and give so often to others. And we're we're often the last one on that list. And if we understood that self-love, self-respect, self-care ties to self-worth, which ultimately is net worth, um, we would probably give ourselves more attention um, because ultimately your success with money is an inside game and it starts with you and it starts with loving yourself and respecting yourself enough to do some of the steps that we need to do to be better about who we are, which ultimately translates into prosperity and wealth. Yeah, I can totally see how those things are all connected. And so then you started in finance, but you also, I know a big area for you is in helping other people to understand how to improve their relationship with money and also just how to, I think, create more. And we were talking about planning too, because uh, before we were even on the show, you and I had a conversation about how our mothers had passed away and that you had created this whole checklist of taking care of, you know, elderly parents, because we don't even realize how much of a responsibility that is either. So how did you start helping other people once you kind of got into this area of finance? You know, it, it <laughs> it's so interesting. I think by my story uh, helps other people recognize, oh my goodness, Melissa, if I can do it. All of you should coming out of debt of $92,000 to be where I am today um, says a lot about the choices I made thereafter. I think that understanding money success is really not about money at all. It's really about who you are and how you show up. So if you have aliveness and joy and abundance um, and fulfillment, that actually is a sign of prosperity. 
So I have a, you know, I have a 22 year old son that's graduating from college within a few weeks and he wants like many young men and women want to be millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> and that, and the job he wants to pick is tied to that. And it's hard to explain that your success ultimately is not where the money is. It's where your love for life is and where you follow places that give you joy. And when you lean in that direction versus showing up at a job that you're slogging at every day, that, that wears you out at the end of the day versus pivoting a little bit to do something that's more in alignment with who you are, your beautiful Melissa self, <laughs> which you are with podcasting and other things, then all of a sudden everything else comes to you because you're more magnet. You already get this. You're already magnetically attracted, attractive so that uh, your frequencies are higher. So you're more likely to find money and prosperity and wealth and abundance and joy and ultimately starting with love. And that makes sense. But what would you say to maybe some women out there? Maybe we have some who are listening who, like your mother, perhaps, have found themselves in a point in life where maybe they are stuck in that dead-end job, they hate it, or they have accumulated a lot of debt and they don't know what to do, how to get out of it. What are some just first steps that you could give to those people to help them really kind of shift and get back on the right path when it comes to finance? It's always an inside job, not an outside job, but it seems like an outside job because you have the burden of debt. So the very first thing in this inside job is really unpacking the stories that you tell yourself. The story that I was telling myself was that I'm unworthy, that I'll never have money that's for other people, um, that, shoot, I mean, the, the list goes on. We all like probably know what some of those statements are uh, as it relates to, or I'm alone. Uh, as it relates to money. So if you can begin to unpack those stories, and often it's how your parents were with money. Mm -hmm. uh, do you come from abundance or scarcity? What are the stories that you tell yourself of how your parents spent money? Did they spend money on you? Did they have fun spending money? Or was it a slog? And if it was a slog, is that how you're showing up with money? And if you are, how old is that story and what new story do you want to tell yourself? So that'd be the first thing is really unpacking those limiting beliefs that we have around money that prevent us from opening up to the bigger picture. And then, so that that's the first. And the second is, <laughs> you know, money is a conversation that most women are not that interested in. You know, it was created by men a long time ago for global exchange. And even the conversation around like GDP, gross domestic product, inflation, Federal Reserve, all of that is like, ugh. <laughs> but when we talk about family and children and our parents' care and uh, uh, all of those things that ignite us and have us all of a sudden we lean in, we start to care about it. And so generally speaking from where I sit, men tend to be the one in, involved in the investment piece like they get more excited about it, where women tend to be more invested in the financial planning piece, the goal setting of the things and the people in their lives that matter. And you need both in harmony. You need investments and planning tied together to have a track to run on. So if you're not involved, if you're married and you're not involved in that conversation, then you need to have a seat at the table. So, and that could be 
just talking about like you may be involved in the cash flow in the house, the budgeting, but you're not involved in any additional savings or investing. That's a conversation that you should have together. And if you're alone, do you even know what your monthly spend is in the household? That's, a, you know, when I, my head was in the sand, I wasn't paying attention to what I was spending. You know, I had no idea what my monthly spend was. But once you know that number, you can't lie to yourself anymore. Yeah. I love how you tell women to take charge and, you know, be a part of the decision making. Two things I have to say. Um, my sister, you know, she's married and they had gotten into some financial trouble before, but she had no idea. She had no idea how bad it was because she didn't pay any of the bills. She just let her husband deal with all of that. And then all of a sudden, here are these credit card bills. It's like, oh my gosh, you ran up the credit cards this much. And I had something similar happen to me when I was in my 20s and I was married and it was a very toxic relationship. My ex ran up my credit card to $8,000 and I ended up having to pay that off. But I also had no idea what was happening because... I just gave him that to use and was like, okay, you know, so you have to know, can't, like you said, just stick your head in the sand and say, I don't know what bills we have or what I'm spending every month. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle because they don't want to look at it because then comes the fear and the shame and the guilt and all of those other emotions when we actually have to face what our financial situation really is. And I had to laugh when you were talking about GDP and I teach economics also. <laughs> so me trying to get high school students to care about GDP and inflation and all of these things, it's the same. You know, they don't really understand why that's important to them right now. But I tell them, you know, you need to know these things. You need to understand what's happening and what's going on. So I love that you make people aware that you need to be a part of your family's financial decisions. Cause I think so many women just don't, they just prefer not to. So they just don't look at it. And stop the, and stop the generational inheriting of that lack of conversation or not having a seat at the table, like your, your grandmother or your great grandmother, you know, they, if they had a stash of money that was their own, it was not for an opportunity like investing. It was for like safety. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Back in the day, you know, it was their little stash uh, that they needed for safety uh, versus opportunity or starting a business as a woman. So uh, it's very different as we show up now. And yet we still have some of this baggage from generations before us that we are taking on that are not ours. So you could be a tightwad around money and it has nothing to do with you. It could be your great grandfather who went through the depression or you could show up in a way that, that um, is fulfilling and that you do talk about money and you're having that conversation at the dinner table with your children and you all of a sudden have taken whatever didn't happen before you, you've changed the conversation in your generation so that your children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, if you're lucky enough, are more cognizant and are talking about money and that it's a conversation that is not forbidden. Yep. 
What advice would you give to someone who's out there who maybe doesn't have any investments right now and they're they're not planning for the future? Maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck and they haven't planned for the future. Is it too late for them? And what would you suggest for those people out there who are saying, yeah, that's me. I live paycheck to paycheck. I haven't invested. I don't have anything saved. Yeah, I love that because that's more than we think it is. Many of us are in that situation. And I think what's really generationally, depending on where you are, if you're in your 20s or your 30s, I mean, my daughter has a side hustle. You know, she watches dogs. And so think of, depending on where you are (laughs) generationally, um, get a side hustle, do an Uber job, do something that allows you to get out of that debt so you're not spiraling down, that you're taking action and it's never, ever, ever too late. The key is to acknowledge it like I did on that snap to say no more. From this point forward, I am in charge of my destiny. The choices that I'm going to make from this point forward are going to move me closer to a direction that I'm not sinking. And so it is, what's the debt that you have? Put all those credit cards out on the table, write down the balance. What's the interest rate for each one of those? And what's the minimum payment for each one of those? And then focus oftentimes on the lowest balance first because it's more momentum and pay the minimum on the others. And then get that paid off, whoo, done. Take that money and then take it to the next one. Again, pay the minimum balance on the others while you knock this one out and slowly work your way through that. And you know what happens? Momentum. Melissa, you start to get excited. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I started in finance, I had $5,000 for my previous job. It was like a pension thingy that I actually vested. So I was like, I got $5,000. It's like, and and the fact that I started in finance. So I was like, okay, let's invest it. Well, I remember when that 5,000 turned into 10. And then I remember when it turned into 25 and I called my mom, mom, you won't believe I got (laughs) $25,000. And you know what? I was so excited and I knew she was happy for me because you know what? I knew she didn't have it. Mm -hmm. And that excitement, And that momentum, even if you're saving with your credit union or somewhere, $5 a month, $10 a month, $25 a month, start the systematic savings now and every pay increase, increase that amount while you're paying down debt. So maybe it's 10 bucks a month that you're putting in this savings account. And ultimately when you see it hit a thousand and you have some cash reserves, you start to feel a little better and you have a little more step, you know, a little jump in your step, like a bounce. And, and when it hits, like in my situation, 50 and a hundred, when that hits a hundred thousand, like you are just like, wow. And from that point on, you know how long it took to get there. So you're more, you pay more attention to how you spend money because you knew how long it took you to get that. And so you respect it more. Mm -hmm. And money is like a relationship. If you treat money like, well, it depends, like look at how you treat your relationship and is that good? And if not, uh, money needs to be treated like a really loving, kind relationship. And if you can do that, that gets back to starting with yourself, loving and kind relationship with yourself and then to your mate, of course, and your money because your money is just energy. It has no value other than the value we we give it. And that's like the first thing it touches every aspect of our life 
Money is this invisible thread through our relationships, through our family, through our health. Every single thread it touches. So you better have that light, that, that battery inside that flashlight of those others' health and spirituality and your family. That, that battery better be strong so that those, it could charge those other batteries of life so that you have this beautiful, bright, bright light. Because, because honestly, Melissa, this is something I say a lot, is we say we need more money, we need more money. No, no, no. When we say that, you will need more money. It's quite the opposite. Money, money is looking for you. Money needs you, not the other way around. It needs you to become something, to be of use to the world. So money needs your vision, your creativity, your ideas, your imagination, your values to turn it into something. Because otherwise, it's just nothing. Yeah. In my world, it's a piece of paper. In my son's world, it's digital. Yeah. But to turn it into something that matters. And when we do that, it ignites all those other frequencies of joy and love and prosperity and abundance and aliveness and fulfillment. I get chills when you're talking about that. I love it. <laughs> it's so yeah. true. That, like money, if you think about it in a way that it serves your highest purpose, because you can use it to then create more things in your life that are beautiful and joy-filled and all of those things. Exactly. Versus what we may have been grown up with is that it's dirty, that we don't talk about it, that it's, you know, all of these other messages. And if you did get those messages, that's where you start to unpack. That's not the story I'm going to tell myself because I'm doing a disservice to my children if I have them and to myself. So what am I going to do different? You know, I grew up in the Buffalo area um, which is near Niagara Falls, the beautiful, vast Niagara Falls. It straddles the Canadian border in New York State. The Niagara Falls gives power to a lot of New York State electricity, but it has no power other than the power plants that line its banks. That's what gives Niagara Falls its power, are the plants that line its banks. That's similar to money, but it's our ideas that give money its power to do something in alignment with your values for your family and for the greater good. So if you understand that, then all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's so interesting. Like all this baggage I have around this is all like my own. Yeah. <laughs> now that's not quite too true because women didn't, you know, 200 years ago and even a hundred years ago, women just got the right to vote. So women actually were not necessarily touching money or responsible for money or transferring money. So we're just kind of relatively new at this as it relates to our power that we're taking on as we show up around this conversation of taking ownership around it. It's relatively new for us. So we have to give ourselves a little break. Yeah, that's so true. And as you said before, I think a lot of people probably grew up in homes where they're moms didn't really have a lot to do with other than, you know, here's money to go grocery shopping or whatever. They didn't make a lot of the financial decisions. And it really does make a big impact on when you see that growing up. The, right. Economic power. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, which is why she ended up in the situation she did when they got divorced um, with no skills whatsoever, nor an education, you know, uh, in any way. So, so when we think about how we show up, What's another thing, Melissa, to remember is besides that money is looking for you, there are actually two laws of money. 
the the human made law, which is what I do every day in the nature of my work as a CEO of a wealth management firm, certified financial planner. And the other is natural laws. Think of the natural laws of money, giving and receiving, cause and effect, supply and demand, intention and desire, clear agreements, ebb and flow. These are like nature. These are all natural things that we as women inherently have. Yeah. And once we claim ownership around the natural laws of money, and then we learn the human laws of money by getting a seat at the table, by starting to read books on money, uh, so that tied to our interests, how will this help my family? How will this help me be independent? How will I start this business and grow? Um, the things that are, and they need to be in harmony. The natural money law and human laws need to be in harmony. And what happens in our culture in the United States is we tend to go after the human-made laws thinking that we're going to have joy and aliveness and prosperity when actually prosperity actually really starts over here on the natural money laws. Yeah, it does. That we already have inside of us. Yeah, I love that. And I love just the advice of giving someone a new way to look at money. And yeah, I think we just place so many negative emotions and thoughts surrounding it. And it's really about changing all of that. Yep. Having a relationship with your money. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Starting with yourself first. <laughs> And I love that because I, I heard someone say one time, if you are, you know, rude to your partner or you think negatively to your partner, your partner is going to want to leave. And same thing with money. If we're constantly having these negative opinions about money or thinking about it in that way, you're going to have a hard time attracting more of it because of the mindset that you have. Exactly. Well, I love it. I love this conversation. This has been so interesting. And <laughs> I'm all about empowering people and especially women to, you know, build their own wealth and be responsible for, you know, their own success. Because I think so many people think that it eludes them when really it doesn't have to, it doesn't need to. That's right. It just can't, it's can't wait to find you. That's right. <laughs> Money's always looking for you. So that's right. So you just have to be magnetic enough and bright enough. Your light has to be bright enough for money to find you. That's I good. That. I love it. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing all of your wealth of knowledge with us today. And I know that you're doing a lot of really awesome things. So if there is a place where people can find you or if they want to follow you or maybe listen to you on some other awesome podcasts. What's the best way for them to do that? Yes. Uh, Kim Curtis YouTube. So we have a, I have a YouTube channel and there, there are a lot of videos on money. Um, it's now a good time to buy a car. Um, uh, things that you need to think about when purchasing a home or the biggest money mistakes people make. There are a lot of videos there. It's definitely worth going to Kim Curtis YouTube and subscribing. And also um, we have an Instagram page called Happiness Doesn't Retire and also Kim Curtis Prosperity. 
I love that. And we will have all of the links too in the show notes. So if anyone wants to go there, all you have to do is click on the link and it will take you straight there. Well, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. I've enjoyed it so much. And I hope that everyone out there listening takes your advice to heart and really uh, goes and checks out your page because it's never too late, like you said, to turn your finances around. And I know I have been in that situation in my life where I had to pull it together and really look at my finances and say, okay, this is not where you want to be. How can you turn this around? And I love that there are people like you out there helping other people to do this and to make it easier because it's scary for a lot of people, but you're putting this into terms that makes it a little less scary for people and a little more um, relatable and they can understand more so it doesn't seem like such an elusive thing to them and i really really love that you're doing that and appreciate that you're doing that for people so thank you so much thank you melissa we did talk about some free gifts for the listeners yeah absolutely what do you have for us today yeah uh, uh um the 10 laws of money every investor should know and that's at financialliteracypress.com and then you and I also, after losing our parents last year, uh, have an aging parent checklist. It's a guide and it's over 26 pages of things to be thinking about uh, if you're starting to take care of an aging parent or need to be aware of as, as they go through transitioning. So free, free, free at financialliteracypress.com for your listeners. I love that. I'll have that link in the show notes too. And I love that because those are things you don't think about at all. And I know when we were going through everything with my mom, it wasn't until she kept trying to tell us this is here, this is here, you know, but it wasn't until the end, we're like, Oh, my gosh, we don't have anything that we need. And so it would have been wonderful to have a checklist like that. So thank you so much for not only putting that together, but for sharing it with my audience. And I highly encourage them to go and check that out and check out your YouTube channel and all of the amazing things that you're doing. Thank you again so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Melissa. I want to thank all of you for being here with us today as well. If you want to see this interview, you can go to my Patreon page. And if you subscribe for just $10 a month, you will get the video interview. Plus, we do live card readings every Monday and you can sign up for free, a free trial and see if it is something that you would benefit from and you can join us for a free card reading. Uh, that is also in the show notes if you wanna go to set up your free trial. As always, I hope you guys have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. I am sending you so much love and light and I will talk to you soon. Bye guys. <music>